0: Hello and welcome to the Football Outsiders Week 7 NFL Preview Show. I'm Ian O'Connor, Senior Data Analyst here at Football Outsiders. Joining me, as always, is Tom Strachan, Football Outsiders Fantasy Analyst. On today's show, we'll be covering all things betting and fantasy for all the Week 7 Sunday matchups, as well as that Monday night football game. Now, we do have some of the top teams and fantasy players on by this week, Tom. Seven of the top 30 PPR-wide receivers, including three of the top four, are on by. Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, Devin Singletary, Dalvin Cook, and Miles Sanders. It's just almost like a barren wasteland when you take those guys out. <laughs> What's it like creating lineups in this type of bye week? Do you feel like you have an advantage during these weeks where those superstars are out?
1: It's definitely tricky in DFS, but because of the way that scheduling works on the slate, it's always one of those where some of the best matchups might be on the Sunday night slate, or they might be on the Thursday night or a Monday night slate. So really... Just lean into how you normally work things. And, you know, we might be missing some of the real elite stars, but there's always value to be had. So you just kind of take it as it comes.
0: Speaking of DFS, don't forget to play on Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 using promo code OUTSIDERS. Even with the NFL best ball season over, Underdog does have other user-friendly game formats that spice up all the action. You can try their Battle Royale, which is a six-round, single-week best ball-style draft. Gives you simpler chances to win than with those traditional daily fantasy sports sites. And even better, this week, you get their big access to their biggest boost ever for next week. If you enter that battle royale this week for the week seven main slate, you get access to a 100 times boosted pick 'em next week and during week eight. And a pick 'em is, is really awesome too. You can basically wager on players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines, basically prop betting and building out a parlay of prop bets. Do that. You can do that even in states where traditional prop betting currently is not available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around, so join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app in the App Store and use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. With that out of the way, we'll jump into our first game on Sunday. A surprising line here for some people. The New York Giants plus three at Jacksonville. That's right, they are underdogs. Going into Jacksonville after their 5-1 and one start, got a 42-point total. I'm a big Wondell Robinson fan, him being a former Kentucky Wildcat rookie this year. Really loves watching him play. But he had a good production on limited work in his first game back from injury last week. Are you buying into the hype on Robinson?
1: I think you can do because, for a start, there's just nobody there, really, is there? It's like, you know, there's Dale Robinson and Dalian Bellinger, who we can get to in a bit perhaps, but like Dale Robinson, he's only been on the field for like 35% of passing plays, but he's at a 36% target rate and he's at like a 9.38 dot, which is really positive. So I think the nearest possible comparison you can probably compare him to is Sterling Shepard because so far Wondale Robinson's played like 70% of his snaps somewhere where Sterling Shepard always was. And Sterling Shepard averaged 8.3 targets a game with Daniel Jones. So I, I feel like, you know, the signs are there. They schemed a touchdown to him with, you know, a clever play. So I'm more than fine playing Wondale Robinson this week. I think he's around 4,200, maybe just over a bit over 4,200. I might be wrong there.
0: And he kind of reminds me of like a Rondell Moore type again out, out of the slot, quick guy, really good with the ball uh, after the catch. Uh, so could, could end up if he gets a, a big workload, could really turn in a good day and be a really big part of this Giants offense for the rest of the season. Now on the other side for Jacksonville, Christian Kirk saved another disappointing day with a late touchdown. Do you think he can get back to his early season success this weekend? The Giants are only 21st against wide receiver ones.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a bit tricky, isn't it? Cause like. Christian Kirk in those first few games, he was getting such high volume and he really looked fantastic in everything he was doing. But if it wasn't for the touchdown last week, then it would have probably been his third single digit fantasy performance in a row. So I'm a little bit wary about it. I don't mind it. I think once it gets into the bye weeks, these starts sit conversations are always a little more tricky because you know, you know your rosters, you decide like, You've got a much better idea of what kind of depth you've got. I know some of my rosters. I've definitely not got any depth whatsoever, and I would be more than happy starting Christian Kirk because we have seen it from him. He's dropped down below six thousand on DraftKings now, so he's fifty nine hundred. So you can now that he's dropped to that kind of price, you can get away with a fifteen point day a lot easier than you can when he was at like six five, six six, and you were kind of hoping that he'd be scoring eighteen points, nineteen points or so.
0: I got a little lucky after week two or three sold high on Christian Kirk and James Robinson in a deal with a couple other players to get Christian McCaffrey. That's paid off big time for me. I'm not worried about him at all anymore. I don't have to think about it, but as far as this game goes uh, from the betting angle, as we always do, the giants are sixth overall in DVOA. They have the number one passing offense since that loss to Dallas in week three. That's over the last three weeks in that same span. Since the Jacksonville Jaguars went into the Chargers or into Los Angeles and dominated the Chargers, they're 27th overall, 24th in offense, 26th in defense. Now, I mentioned at the top, the Giants are three point underdogs here. This was closer than I thought it would be looking at uh, the public money 63% of the bets, but only 52% of the money was on the Giants when I looked at this earlier. I picked the Giants as my most likely upset in our staff picks. I'm going to stick with it. Um, I'm going to go also over 42 points. Jaguars offense did play well last week. Uh, Trevor Lawrence became like the first quarterback ever to have, I think, 20 plus attempts, 90% completions, three touchdowns total, no turnovers. The defense blew that one late. But I think both teams get over 21 points. The Giants win,
1: and this one goes over that 42. How about you? I'm going to lean on to the Jacksonville side of it. I think the Giants are off to a great start of the season. I was disappointed in my Ravens losing to him last week, yeah. but. Ravens kind of gifted them that game with a couple of sloppy turnovers and I just feel like the Giants going on the road into Jacksonville, I feel like Jacksonville, if they're going to bounce back, it needs to be now and this is the time for them to do it.
0: Yep. Speaking of that, the loss last week, at least you all uh, Ravens beat the Jets in week one where I'm sitting here. i lost maybe, both, both New York teams in the last couple of weeks, although not looking as bad as I thought that would be. If you told me early in the season, we'd lose to both of them.
1: But
0: we'll move on to Detroit and Dallas. The Lions are seven point underdogs going into Dallas. Forty nine points. Big story here. Dak Prescott back. Should we temper expectations for Dak and the Cowboys in his first game back? Or would you play it like normal, especially the fact that they're playing this Lions defense?
1: It's, it's a really tricky one and one I've kind of gone back and forth on a couple of times this week because we saw Russell Wilson had a similar injury last year. And when he came back, we know he rushed back and he was awful in his first game back. So perhaps... Uh, The way I'm kind of looking at it is that Dak Prescott hasn't rushed back. The Cowboys took their time. It sounded like Dak wanted to play last week, but they pushed him on to this week instead. And I think I'm just kind of holding out hope that what we saw from Prescott in week one when he was playing against the Buccaneers and had like a 48% completion rate, is just a blip, and now he's going to hit the ground running. So... He was somebody who I've wrote up this week in the DFS column. He's uh, quite cheap this week, so I think a lot of people are probably going to end up playing him. He is... Let me just pull it up now. He is 6,700, so he's kind of in that range where you're not paying up for the elite quarterbacks, but you're also not paying down where you save massively, so maybe he doesn't go as owned as I expect him to. Um, but Detroit have allowed the third-most fantasy points quarterbacks and the dead-lasting pass defense DVOA, so... I would play most quarterbacks against Detroit, so I'm not going to shy away from Dak here.
0: You've got that upside. You mentioned he's kind of in that mid-level price-wise but has the upside to finish as the top quarterback, possibly. Uh, him, Them just wanting to come out against that bad defense. Now, Detroit, on the other hand, shut out against New England their last time out in Week 5. They're without Amon Ross, St. Brown, DJ Chark, and DeAndre Swift. Now, St. Brown is back. Sounds like Chark is out. Swift is pushing to play. but They've got a tough test against that Dallas defense. Are you fading the Lions this week. I mean, Dallas is 12th or better defending passes to all pass catchers, except 19th against running backs, which still isn't terrible, just slightly below average.
1: Yeah, I think you can build an argument to start aiming or Brown. I think, you know, the Patriots game was obviously a disappointment. But we knew that he was still kind of struggling with the quad injury, and he didn't really look himself. So the bye week came at a perfect time for him. Before that, in the games this season, he was averaging a 30% target share and over 80 receiving yards. And This Cowboys team did give up 26 PPR points to Cooper Cup when he played them in week six. And more people than just me have made the comparison between St. Brown and Cooper Cup in the way that they play. So I'm kind of fine playing it. I think if you're looking to stack this game and play Dak Prescott with, like, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, it's easy to slot him and Ross St. Brown in and have a good feeling that you've probably got access to a lot of the points from this game.
0: You know he should get the targets that are expected to be losing. Going up, though, I mentioned a tough defense. Dallas allowed 20 points for the first time last week against Philly. They only gave up 26, and 20 of those came in the second quarter. Uh, When I was looking at the total on this, I think it could be close, getting totals at 49 points. I think Dallas can – I'm expecting a field day from them against what you mentioned, that dead last Lions defense. I don't think the Lions can necessarily get to 20 points in this, just that Dallas defense has been so good. I leaned or I sided slightly under just a little bit. I do think the Cowboys cover pretty easily, though. How about
1: you? I'm going to go with the Lions to come out firing off the bye, refreshed, and Dan Campbell got fired up. And I'm going to say they cover, but Dallas wins the game and it goes over. I feel like yeah, I'm not wanting to fade Tough defenses all the time, but I just feel like, you know, when certain teams get into certain situations, the over can creep up.
0: And the Lions are definitely a team that can do that. We saw them in that that comeback against uh, uh, the Eagles in week one, putting up a ton of points, and we know how good that Philly defense is as well. <laughs> then moving on to Indianapolis at Tennessee, the Titans are two-point favorites 42.5-point total. That Colts offense came to life last week. It was the fourth-best offensive performance of the week across the NFL. Easily their best of the year. It's their only game above average this season. Tennessee's 25th or worse against wide receiver ones, wide receiver twos, and tight ends. They're 31st against each of the latter two. Bo Alley Cox had a big one their last time out just uh, in week four against the Titans. Six catches, 85 yards, two touchdowns. But He had zero targets last week, only one game with more than two catches. He's not worth playing this week in a repeat uh, performance, is he?
1: No, and I think these Colts tight ends, they've shown it's like every it's like Mo Alley-Cox goes out and gets a couple of touchdowns or a couple of catches and then the next week it's Jelani Wood and then the next week like, Kylan Granson's going to pop up and they seem completely happy playing any of them. I think it's much easier to talk yourself into the wide receivers on this team and we can't expect Matt Ryan to pass 58 times like he did last year. I was looking into it earlier this week and the last time he'd made that many pass attempts was 2013, so... <laughs> Um, back in his you know, days. We're, yeah, we're not going to get close to 400 yards and three touchdowns out of Matt Ryan every week. But what we have seen is Alec Pierce has really carved himself a role in that offense. Now, I think going back over the last three games, he's averaged over 70 receiving yards in each of them, and he's averaged 7.3 targets, along with that really nice touchdown at the end of the game. So. Alec Pierce is only 4,600 on DraftKings this week. I think that's somebody that you can really look to slot into, whether it's cash lineups or tournaments. I'd be happy playing him in either.
0: And we know you're you're starting Derrick Henry if you have him. He does very well against the Colts. Seems like he dominates them fairly often. What about Jonathan Taylor? It looks like he's expected back his first game back in a couple weeks. The Titans have been tougher to run on than throw on but you know they may limit Jonathan Taylor or he could have have a big game what do you think is, is the kind of the 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 expectation here what are you expecting
1: i think if you spend the 101 or even the 102 on Jonathan Taylor and you've just lost him for two games already and you know you're going to lose him for a third game when his bye week comes you've got to play him it's like he might not have looked particularly good in a couple of those games he definitely wasn't performing like a 101 should do but you've got to plug him back in because you're probably in a position where you're going to start needing some wins after missing him. He's 8,100 on DraftKings, which that is quite cheap. Uh, let me just pull up the entire scoring. But basically, anytime you can get a running back of his kind of ability, who could score two touchdowns and go for 150 yards, it's pretty hard to pass him by at that kind of pricing. But yeah, he's a really close to the top of the pricing, but I, I'd have no problems playing him. But I think I will just lean into the passing game more because of Tennessee's deficiencies against it.
0: And what what about uh, looking at this one? I mentioned the Colts go into Tennessee two point underdogs, forty two and a half total. What are your thoughts on those two?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Colts. I feel like they've kind of, you know, the last two games we've seemed to be there's positives in them. You know, they beat Denver in overtime, and then they, you know beat Jacksonville, and it's just. Even though there's imperfections with this team, they seem to be doing enough to get right. And the Titans are just... Maybe it's my own bias, but I always just feel like the Titans just never really look like a complete team. They've got, now, they've got nothing in the way of wide receivers that seems to be a real threat. In Tannehill's last outing, he was just dinking and dunking the ball very close to the line of scrimmage all game before eventually going deep. And it just perplexes me when I look at the stats and see that... They rank so highly in red zone passing and rushing because it just doesn't feel like that on a Sunday when you've got red zone on on one corner and another game on but they are getting it done but I just feel like the the Colts can ride high on the back of a success and uh, go for the spread the money line and take the game over. Uh, the, t- the Titans, speaking of red zone, they're the top red zone offense to
0: DVOA, number three red zone defense. They're ninth defending from their own 40 to the 21 back to the red zone, but they're dead last defending deep passes. So I think to your point, Indianapolis could get some big plays, a deep touchdown or two in the pass game. Uh, the Titans really aren't blowing any away. They're right around average. But for me, I need to see the Colts play well more than once before buying into them. <laughs> I went with the Colts last week. They got lucky, uh, a little lucky late in getting that long touchdown. So I'm going Tennessee this week to beat the Colts again uh, and cover that minus two. I think still, still think it'll be close. And then on the total, I went back. I sat and looked at the last one fell just two points short of 44 uh, or just two points short at 44 or 40. Sorry, I forget what it was, but I'm going to go over 42 and a half points. And then, not surprisingly, since I went over, FO's projections like the under, and it's the top total pick of the week. So we can do, but those are uh, numbers and confidence picks you can get with an, in a FO Plus subscription. You can sign up for just $4.99 a month at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Indy paid off for me last week. I'm I'm uh, going it behind their backs this weekend and taking the Titans. So we'll see you. a big, close race there in the AFC South. Looking over at the NFC, Green Bay minus five at Washington, 41 and a half point total here. Tons of questions surrounding the Green Bay offense, deservedly so. Aaron Rodgers said on the Pat McAfee show on Tuesday, they need to get 33 of the ball more. Now, Washington has been tough to run on, but only 21st defending passes to running backs. Is this another big game uh, for Aaron Jones, like we saw him do against Chicago
1: early in the year? I think it's kind of tricky because it's so hard to kind of work out what The Packers are doing well at the minute. I mean, you probably feel this more than me, but watching them at the minute, their offensive line's struggling, things just don't seem to be really going very well. And I love Aaron Jones, and I feel like, you know, Aaron Rodgers clearly loves him enough that you can always rely on him having a good role in there. But the receivers are getting open at times. And like Alan Lazard's been a more Consistent part of the offense over the last few weeks. He's averaged 8.3 targets and 13.2 PPR points since week four. So I'm kind of fine playing Alan Lazard. I think he's kind of creeping up into the kind of price range now around 6,100 on DraftKings. And because of what you said about the Washington being poor against the pass, you know, they've allowed the second most passing touchdowns in the league with 12, um, and they're ranked 19th in pass defense DVOA. They've also allowed the eighth most fantasy points to quarterbacks. So it just kind of feels like if I was going to trust anything in this game, I would trust Aaron Rodgers to get right and Alan Lazard to be at the core of it.
0: What about, uh, that leads into my next question, Washington only 30th against wide receiver twos. Now, Romeo Dubs, his usage is still pretty much elite, equaling Lazard in routes last week. They each uh, participated at 96% of routes, uh, drop, ran a route on 96% of dropbacks. Could this be his his breakout game, if you will, as a top 10 wide receiver finish? I think he has one game at like wide receiver 14 or 16, but could he reach into the top 10 this week?
1: I think he could do, and I think... People definitely seem to expect him to have a good game because of those key stats that you mentioned. He's projected to be rostered on about thirteen to fifteen percent of teams in the DraftKings MilliMaker at the minute, and he costs five thousand. So, I'd definitely be playing him in season long this week. I would no problem putting him into games for DraftKings. Um, but if you're telling me that I could get. Ubs at 13% ownership, or I could get Alan Lazard at probably 3 to 4% ownership, even though Lazard costs more. I'll probably side with the guy who's been doing a bit more consistently and will be lesser owned. Yeah, they should both
0: have big games, so to your point, the, the lesser ownership there. Uh, one for one of the props I liked from this game was Romeo Dubs, 46.5 receiving yards, uh, given Washington struggles against the pass. I think he hits that pretty easily. Uh, one last quick question. There's not really a lot to talk about with Washington. What are the expectations for them with uh, Taylor Heineke now stepping in at quarterback against a, a struggling Green Bay defense?
1: Yeah, I think it's a lot of people are kind of interested to see whether he keeps this or whether it's going to be Sam Howell soon. You know, last year, Taylor Heineke was serviceable. He had high moments and he had pretty low moments. He had seven top 16 weekly fantasy fantasy finishes, which particularly if you're playing Superflex, that's plenty enough. He ranked 22nd in DYAR last year. So he's kind of fine. I think I personally wouldn't be playing him on DraftKings this week. I think he's 5,000, um, but, you know, Packers are a top 10 passing defense in DVOA, they've only allowed four passing touchdowns so far this season, so I think if you are building a lineup around him, you really need to be thinking, what what kind of ceiling is it opening me up to elsewhere, and is that worthwhile, or would I just be better off paying a few hundred dollars more for a simply better quarterback?
0: And I'm not sure the, the public is on Washington this one. I'm not sure it's because they believe in Taylor Heineke or they don't believe in Green Bay. Maybe a little of both, probably more that Green Bay has just looked bad lately. But 52% of the bets are on them, but the Sharps are heavy on them with 83% of the money on the Washington spread. Also 58% on that Washington money line uh, when I pulled it up on Vegas Insider earlier. It was a little surprising to me. I do think Green Bay may struggle a bit with Heineke, but I do think they have success against that Washington defense, and they do enough to cover minus 5 as with every game though the, the green bay defense does give up some points so i think this one goes over 41 and a half
1: i've gone i've gone with the under but i've gone with green bay otherwise i just i feel like minus five feels like if it was minus seven minus eight maybe i'd have a problem with it but minus five feels completely fine to me and uh yeah i i think it won't be a particularly pretty game but i think green bay get back on track Another team that needs to get back on track. Tampa Bay
0: goes into Carolina, 11-point favorites, just a 40-point total in this one. Things are, are ugly in Carolina, to say the least. You're starting McCaffrey if you have him a season long. DJ Moore is a maybe. No one else really worth starting, especially with Robbie Anderson gone. The Rams, though, had second the second-best passing game of the year in DVO, of the year for them in DVO against Carolina. The Bucks had their second-worst offensive performance last week against Pitt, which was a huge surprise. Tampa Bay offensive players are they in line for a bounce back this week against Carolina?
1: I think it's one of those where Carolina's defense has been a pleasant surprise; have been okay. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you've got a quarterback whose average depth of target is in the negatives, then it's just very difficult for you to do anything. I think PJ Walker had one pass that went past the line of scrimmage. So after a while, if you're not moving the ball, the defense is going to wear down; we're going to get tired. Bucks definitely took a step backwards last week but I think this is the kind of game where they'll just go in and stomp on Carolina I think you know Chris Godwin's somebody that'll be playing a lot of this weekend he's averaged 9.3 targets per game since he came back in week four which is the eighth most amongst receivers in that time the touchdowns haven't been there but it just feels like that's a product of Bucks being off the game a little more than anything to do with Godwin so, yeah, I'll, I'll probably have a couple of Tom Brady and Chris Godwin lineups this week. I think that stack costs you 25% of your total salary, so you've got loads left to attack other games. But it's a little difficult to get too excited about this one because Carolina, you know, maybe I'm jinxing it, but Carolina just don't seem like they're going to be a very good team. And outside of who steps up in place of Robbie Anderson, there's just nothing of interest for me.
0: And stomping on the, the Panthers, as you said, is what the Bucks have done since Tom Brady's been there. 4 0. They've won by over three touchdowns, uh, per, an average of over three touchdowns per game. Last year, those games were 32 to 6 at Carolina, 32 to 6 at Carolina, 41 17 at home. Despite the struggles of the last few weeks, I'm going Tampa to cover that big number, minus 11. The public is split on this one 52% of the bets on Tampa Bay, 55% of the money on the Carolina spread. It's close, but then looking at that total, only 40. I'll say it goes just over, something like 31 to 10, but I could easily see Tampa putting up 40 by themselves.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go lean towards the under. I think, you know, you could end up seeing like a 28-10, something like that, or, you know, 28-6, and Carolina are only getting there through field goals, and, you know, easy walk in the park for Tampa.
0: Yeah, definitely. Th- thinking Tampa Bay is gonna gonna get back on track. Hopefully, like I said, hopefully, hopefully we're not jinxing anything here. But <laughs> going to a big rivalry here in the AFC North. Uh, your guys, the Ravens, hosting the Browns. Baltimore six and a half point favorites, 45 and a half point total. We mentioned that upset last week for Baltimore, but have a good matchup. Now, it seems like J.K. Dobbins, JK Dobbins will be out or limited in some fashion. They've been very careful with him this year. So Kenyon Drake uh, will will lead the, the backfield most likely against the Cleveland defense. 30th in DVOA against the run, giving up the third most fantasy points to running backs. I imagine he's going to be a popular pick in daily, but are you buying into the Kenyon Drake hype after his big game?
1: No, uh, and <laughs> as a Ravens fan, I've kind of I've been a little bit surprised just how cautious we've been with J.K. Dobbins. Like last week, John Harbaugh was talking about the turf at MetLife and we mentioned it last week on here that it didn't feel like a game where they're going to play a lot of him and then he locked up his knee and he hasn't practiced so far this week, which is a little bit alarming. But I think... Kenyon Drake ran pure last week. Like this O line is really improving a lot now that Ronnie Stanley's back in there and they're jumping up the grades and stuff. But I'm not sure that Kenyon Drake is going to repeat that performance. Justice Hill sounds like he's going to be back playing fine this week. He's practiced without limits for the last two days. I think that it's possible Gus Edwards could even be back on the field this week. I think I'd probably lean more towards. You know, I might sprinkle in a few of the over under lines for those running backs more than I'd like to play them in daily fantasy. I think, in terms of daily fantasy, you can just load up on Lamar, who will be incredibly popular this week because of Cleveland's poor defense. And I think you can load up on Andrews, who, even though he hasn't practiced for the last two days, I'm sure he'll be fine. You know, he's a big, tough guy. And if Rashad Bateman's back, I'm completely fine playing him as well. He's just 5,200. We've seen how much the Ravens have needed. An additional threat whilst he's been out there and even though Aitman was getting by on efficiency early on in the season it just feels like we're at a point where we're gonna have to lean into it now so yeah that's kind of my feel on it I think it's gonna be a game where people really do just look as simply as Lamar and Mark Andrews and then ignore a lot of the rest.
0: I didn't expect it in Baltimore uh to be in control in this game against six and a half point favorites. For Cleveland, though, Donovan Peoples Jones has now has three straight games with four plus catches and fifty plus yards. Baltimore's been top ten against the pass, but as we mentioned with a lot of guys out on bye, is DPJ a viable bye week fill-in for you in season long?
1: I mean in season long, you gotta do what you gotta do when Thanks. these bye weeks hit. <laughs> if you don't have a probably on the to...
0: waiver wire, so he's available <laughs> if you want to play him, but
1: Exactly, I think you know when you when you're looking at these kind of high dot players like Donovan Peoples-Jones, Robbie Anderson, or Sky Moore, or um, and the S these players. But if they're going to get there, it's going to be on one or two big plays. Quite often, it's a little bit frightening. So maybe he's the kind of player that if. You have a bad start to Thursday night. Like, if you can wake up tomorrow morning and you're looking up your lineup, and it's like, "Oh, okay, this player who was projected 15 points has turned in four points." Then I'd maybe be considering, all right, Donovan Peoples Jones might just give me the kind of ceiling game that I need to pull myself back in. So he's not somebody I'd be desperately attaching myself to for this weekend. I mean, he's very cheap on DraftKings. He's 4100, which is as cheap as it really gets for wide receivers. I think David Njoku is somebody who I would be looking to target. Um, The Ravens have allowed the eighth most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. They've been leaning on Njoku, the Browns. He leads tight ends in receiving yards over the last, since week three with 308. I think, you know, he's been reliable. He ranks fourth in DYAR, and his price hasn't really caught up to his performance on DraftKings. It's only 4,200, so I'd be more than comfortable plugging him in.
0: Had a bit of a down week, if you will, last week and still had, I think, three catches or four catches for 58 yards, which is great for tight ends. Uh, yeah. <laughs> pretty much every year. Tight end is very tough to come by.
1: <laughs> Definitely.
0: So we'll look at the, the betting angle of this one. Baltimore's second highest spread confidence pick of the week in the FO projections. Uh, again, if you're wondering where those numbers are come from, you can get access to those. Uh, all our NFL picks for uh, spread, money line, and total with an FO plus subscription at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. I tend to side with us here, like Baltimore to cover the, the sharps are on Baltimore too. 70% of the money is on Baltimore spread. Um, I side with it there. How about you?
1: Uh, yeah, I think you can guess which way I'm going.
0: <laughs> yeah, I figured that was it. Uh, one of the profits I liked on this uh, and you can chime in on this too. Lamar's rushing. So he averages over 82 yards per game in six full games against Cleveland. 65 plus in five of six, 90 plus in three of six. I like. I I couldn't find the prop on this, but whatever it is, I imagine it's going to be less. Maybe even at most around 60 yards. I don't know what his normally are at. I would lean the over on almost whatever it is, just because it seems like he dominates on the ground against the Browns.
1: So yeah, so this year his rushing yards, he said. One game where we had a really low total with 17. He had a game at 58, and then everything else has been above 70. So I feel like that's the kind of bet, particularly if J.K. Dobbins isn't playing and we need a little bit more injection of Lamar, then definitely I'd be on that. And then as for the scoring in this one, I lean on the over.
0: All but one of Cleveland's games have exceeded 45 points, and that one was 43. That defense, 27th against the pass, 30th against the rush. We know Baltimore can score a lot. But Cleveland can also run on that Baltimore defense. I think uh, had their only 24th against the run. Nick Chubb has struggled against them the last couple of years, two games with less than three and a half yards per carry, no touchdowns against them last year. But I do think they're able to put up some points. Uh, Both teams are below average in red zone defense too. So I'm going at siding over 45 and a
1: half. Yeah, I I you that for all the reasons you've said. I think the Ravens, their defense is improving, but they just don't shut down opponents and they just, let opponents hang around in games longer than they should and cleveland lets opponents score a a ton of points as we've seen Uh, atlanta was one of those opponents didn't score
0: a ton like some of those other teams but they go into cincinnati six and a half point underdogs 47 point total last week i asked you if that game against new orleans could be the game where jamar chase goes nuclear and that is exactly what he did huge game but also maybe kind of hidden was Joe Mixon's efficiency was up again for the second week in a row. Cincinnati's opened up the offense a bit more things. I've read they ran shotgun on all, but um, two plays last game. I think one of them was a kneel down. I forget what the other one was. Do you, but do you expect this offense to return to form? And is this going to be consistent fantasy gold again, moving forward?
1: I think so. I think, you know, I think this game might be a bit of a slog. I think, uh, you know, Oh, Atlanta definitely aren't a pace team. I'm sure, I don't have the stats at hand, but I'm sure I remember reading that they're one of the slower teams in terms of situation neutral rates. So I feel like it might not be as explosive as we'd like, but the Bengals, they've been getting right, really. You know, I mean, Higgins completed 75% of his passes when he was under pressure last week, which was a season high. So you can just see all these little things which are starting to click for them. Equally the Saints were missing Marshawn Lattimore, so if he'd played that game with Jamar Chase have had i have as big a game as he did. Um I think this is a game which I'll be targeting T Higgins in. Um Atlanta have been good against wide receiver ones ranking eleventh, but they went ranked twenty-sixth against wide receiver twos, which obviously should benefit Higgins somewhat. He practiced yesterday for the first time on a Wednesday in a few weeks, so it sounds like he's getting healthier. And I'd definitely be happy to stack Burrow and Higgins or Burrow Higgins and Chase, but I wouldn't be bothering to play any of the Atlanta side of it because it just feels too hard to pick and choose who's gonna have a good day. Mario is averaging eight point eleven point eight completions per game over the last three games, and it's just nobody's gonna get there without extreme efficiency and exactly i mean it's like pitts Kyle Pitts. you know this this guy was supposed to be generational and three of his games this year he's finished with exactly 19 yards it's that's awful i finally scored a touchdown
0: last week your point last week was one of the games with 19 yards um on this one too you said you think it might be kind of a slog i kind of am going the opposite way one of the props i had that like burrow over 284 and a half passing yards and that's the Falcons have allowed 296 plus in three of the last four. Cleveland was the only game they didn't. Not a big throwing team. That was a lot of running in that game. Burrow's hit 285 in two of the last three and three of six games total. He's hit 275 in four of six, so got close to it there. I think the Bengals are going to get up or they're going to force the Falcons to have to throw a little bit more and give the Bengals a chance. But one, one more question on the fantasy side too, kind of like a trade advice for a lot of people out there. So Joe Mixon has a favorable stretch here in the near term but a tough playoff schedule in the fantasy playoffs. He's got at Tampa Bay at new England and then Buffalo. Would you hold on to him and then maybe try and sell high over the next couple of weeks? Or do you think that offense will, will still be good enough like they were last year and he's going to be able to put up some points late?
1: I mean, those are tough defenses and we've seen with the Bengals, sometimes it's, you know, they don't necessarily have the solution with what to do with Joe Mixon when things aren't going right. It's like, they'll just keep doing the same thing and the same thing. And, they can struggle against the Ravens. He looked particularly average. And like in the early games, like I wanted to talk myself into Joe Mixon against Atlanta because historically last year, Atlanta were rubbish against running backs. But you looked at, you look at the stats and it's just like Joe Mixon is having a bad season. He might be on for career highs in targets and stuff like that, but the rushing has been poor. So I think if Joe Mixon goes out this week and if he shows you something and if there's real, it feels like the Magic's returned, then I'd be fine holding him. But I'd also, I wouldn't be against sending a few trade offers out and just seeing what you can manage to swing. If you could pick up a running back who's already had his bye week, so then you're trading away a running back who's not had his bye week yet, and then you kind of skip missing out on a player's bye week, I'm always interested in those kind of trades and redraft.
0: And then uh, the betting angle of this one, I mentioned, uh, We you talked about Atlanta just leaning on the run there. You can run on Cincinnati, their 16th DVOA against the runaround average. But as I said, I think they're forced to throw in this one. That Bengals offense picks up where it left off and gets up early, which is bad news for Atlanta because they're eighth in DVOA against the pass. One of the closest games in public betting 54% of the bets, 51% of the money on Atlanta spread. I think Cincinnati covers that minus six and a half. I also think the under 47 hits, I don't think Atlanta's able to, to put up a ton of points. And with Cincinnati covering, I've said this the last two weeks, but Atlanta's cover streak will come to an end this week. <laughs> They're 6-0, <laughs> but I think this is the week. The Bengals uh, just looked pretty good last week, and I think they picked that back up.
1: I'm going with Atlanta to cover. The streak continues. <laughs> um, but so I'll go with Cincy on the money line and the under to hit because I just feel like it. I feel like the Bengals will hit some big plays, but it's still going to be a slower paced game and we're not quite going to get the explosion. That might be ideal.
0: Speaking of slower paced games or just maybe just (laughs) ugly games in general, we got the jets at Denver coming up next. Uh, Jets are only plus one at Denver 38 point total. Brees hall had another huge game last week against green Bay, but Denver obviously is a much tougher defense. Top 10 in fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, running backs and wide receivers. The fewest to quarterbacks, second fewest to wide receivers. Should we be fading the Jets' offense this week? I know it's really tough when you've got uh, a guy like Brees Hall, but this is a tough matchup. Denver has limited teams to, I think, uh, going into Monday night, it was 15 points per game in the Chargers. um, I forget what they scored, but it was right around 15. It's 16, I think, to win it.
1: I think I'm kind of completely fine playing Brees Hall, and that's about as far as it goes. Um, I think... As much as the Denver defense has been brilliant, they've also allowed over 100 rushing yards or a touchdown in each of the last three games. So there's little silver linings that you can find there. Peace Hall is the sixth most touches against uh, amongst running backs in the last three games, and sometimes mm-hmm. volume's just plenty enough, really. I think in terms of the Jets' pass catches, I wouldn't have started them anyway against Patrick Sitam. We talked about that last week with Mike yep. Williams, and then Mike Williams had a really quiet game against him. Elijah Moore kind of has that little squeaky wheel narrative maybe in his corner, but he didn't practice today for personal reasons, so it's kind of hard to read into what's going on there. Zach Wilson's only thrown for one touchdown since he returned. So, you know, if you've got low volume, you're not getting the yardage, and you're not getting the touchdowns, then it really becomes very difficult to start him. And I don't think it's going to get any better for the Jets receivers, because after this week they've got the Patriots and the Bills, so really it's just Brees all or nothing for me.
0: And and we saw Austin Eckler get, I think it was 16 targets on Monday night, 10 (laughs) catches. So, Brees Hall could get some some dump-offs there and get a lot of value through the year. On the other side, though, Denver offense hasn't been good all year. We saw Melvin Gordon end up getting benched after three carries and it came out, you know, maybe fill out a favor. And then Nathaniel Hackett comes out and they make an announcement uh, that he's going to be the starting running back. Who knows what's going on? We've got the injury to Russ. They say it's a real injury. They had to clarify that because I guess people think they're faking it. Maybe they are. It's very possible. And all that to say, is it time to move on from the Broncos until they prove that they can be competent on offense?
1: Well, it was a funny one. Cause like, I was watching Monday Night Football and it was kind of that thing of, oh, here's the Broncos. You know, Russ went 10 for 10 to open the game and I think he had nine different pass catches across those two drives. It was like, okay, now we're starting to look competent. Then after those 10 passes, he completed just five more of his 18 passes in the rest of the game. That's like, I mean, that's diabolical. That's worse (laughs) than something that Tyler, Tyler Heineke would do or even, you know, that's PJ Walker level. I think, particularly this week, it's worth noting that Greg Dulcich, he made his debut and with the Monday night game being after DraftKings had released their prices, they had him down at very minimum pricing of 2500 which is incredibly cheap. He stayed on the field. I think he played 70% of steps or something. And Albert
0: O was a healthy scratch in that one too.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just seems to be over for Albert O. Like There seemed to be such high hopes for him, but then you see Greg Dulcich come out and You know, they passed to him, I think he he had three targets, but the 39-yard touchdown was really good. I mean, the Broncos don't really seem to feature any of their tight ends. I think they had four active on Monday night, and I think three of them all caught passes. So it's a little difficult to trust, but at 2,500, because of what it'll help you do for the rest of your lineup, I'm kind of fine playing Greg Dulcich.
0: Last week, I went against taking Denver. They covered. They didn't win, though. I said I was done with them. I'm back on, I'm taking Denver this week, not because I believe in the offense, but because of that defense, I think they set the, the their offense up with favorable field position. Handful of field goals, maybe they'll luck into a touchdown or two, but I do think they limit the, the Jets' offense pretty well. Denver covers just minus one, but I think the game stays under 38 points in, in an, another very low-scoring game.
1: I'm all aboard the Jets' train at the minute. I just think you know their pass rush has been decent. Sauce Gardner's been decent. I think that there's a very real chance for they to get in there. And if Russ Wilson's feeling less than hundred percent, they could give him a horrible day. So yeah, all aboard the jets. Yeah, take them flight. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Move on to uh, Houston
0: plus seven at Las Vegas, 45 <clears throat> and a half point total here. Josh Jacobs has been surprised of the year. You and I were talking about that before kind of uh, leading one of my best ball teams, up in mid to the top spot there. I imagine he'll be a popular play versus Houston's 29th ranked rush defense. They gave up 161 and 157 to Jonathan Taylor, Khalil Herbert. Is he worth it this week at, at what he's priced at? I don't know what his pricing is.
1: Yes. Yeah, so he's priced at 6,500 on DraftKings, and looking at a couple of sites, he's projected to be rostered in about 40% of rosters. So I thought when I started looking at my DFS column yesterday and writing things up, but I, uh, Make no bones about it. I like thought Josh Jacobs was a distinctly average running back for a large portion of his career. But right now, he's doing far better than he ever has. He's rushing for 5.4 yards per carry, which is 0.6 than he's ever done before. And because, of, like you say, the Texans are a bad run defense, You know, we don't need to live on our priors forever. And I'm all aboard Josh Jacobs this week. I think he'll be very popular for good reason particularly if you're looking at cash games like multipliers, double ups, he's exactly the kind of running back you want to be plugging in.
0: At 40%, you mentioned expected ownership. Can you put that in context? Is that like one of the highest numbers you'll ever see for a player?
1: Yeah, that's it. It's it's pretty rare to see players creep up over that. I mean, last week when we had some of these really cheap running backs, you were seeing them creeping up into sort of the 30 35%. Okay. Generally, winning tournament lineups tend to have about 120% cumulative ownership from all your players in your lineup, so 40% is very difficult if you're looking to play them in tournaments, you're going to need to get very weird and different with the rest of your lineup, or you won't have the leverage on other lineups to get into the good money
0: absolutely and then you're starting your other raiders in for a big week as far as season long anybody from houston really worth playing this week given those other teams on by we know damian pierce has been very good and they're giving him a ton of work
1: yeah and i think he started damian pierce for pretty much every game now he's kind of shown that he can be good and he's not somebody that we should worry about too much um i think now, he's 6400 on draftkings now so his price is definitely creeping up there and he'll probably be quite well owned as well probably around the 20% mark. Nico Collins is someone who kind of intrigues me a little bit if you're building Raiders stacks and if you're looking to play somebody from the opposing side as a bring back. He's seen 11 targets in the last two games and he's only 4200 on draftkings so at that price you know if he can get four for 60 you'd be pretty happy with that return. Uh, Houston comes into this one. Seven point
0: underdog is going to have to throw there. They've played everyone close, uh, really, except for Los Angeles. All of those were within a, a touchdown. 64% of the bets in this one in the public are on the Las Vegas spread. 88% of the money, though, is on Houston. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one?
1: I just feel like... Houston have just disappointed me completely this year. I had high hopes for them. I thought that Davis Mills might take a step forward. I thought that they had a nice young core around him. And Davis Mills has just not been good this year. Last year, he really was good and he exceeded expectations. And I just feel like these kind of games on the road in a hostile environment like Raiders Stadium, I don't feel like the Texans are going to do particularly good. So I've leaned with Las Vegas on this and the under.
0: Our projections like the Texans to cover just slightly. I'm with you. I'm going the other way. I think Las Vegas covers. They looked really good to start that Chiefs game. Uh, I think they come out hot out of the bye. We have no pick on the total in this one. Uh, Projected the exact same as the market. It's close for me as well. I'm with you as well. I lean under something like 27-17. I think they're able to get some points, but uh, the Vegas covers and the under hits there. Moving on to one of the bigger games in the afternoon, Kansas City minus two and a half at San Francisco, 48 and a half points. This one's actually a little bit closer than I, I thought it would be, especially with so many injuries on the San Francisco defense. But is there anyone you wouldn't consider starting for Kansas City, given the state of that 49ers defense?
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty difficult to start Clyde edwards helaire at the minute. Um, we kind of talked about this a few weeks ago about how he'd been running pure. He was getting the high value touches. He'd been getting the receptions. he would be getting the touchdowns then we've started to see what happens when he doesn't get the targets and he doesn't get the touchdowns and he's part of a three-way committee Like in dynasty terms you'd call him a roster clogger because you don't know when to start him, you can't trade him because you're probably not getting fair value and you've just got to sit there with him on your roster So he's somebody I wouldn't start I do think maybe the talk of Juju Smith-Schuster having broken out might be a little premature because Chiefs we're in a situation where they were seeing a lot of zone coverage, and Patrick Mahomes just had to dink and dunk, which really benefited Juju Smith Schuster. Last week, Mahomes' A dot was five point five, which was a season low. He's normally up around 7, 8, 9. And Smith Schuster got really lucky on a couple of broken tackles that turned into long runs. And you know, credit to him, he did that, and it was you know, he took advantage of it. But I'm just not quite fully ready to believe. He's going to be consistent. I think I've got him in a couple of places and he'll probably go back to my bench again.
0: Yeah, could be talking about Odell Beckham Jr. for the Chiefs here in a few weeks. Uh, It seems to be uh, a lot of chatter there, especially with the the Chiefs clearing up some money there with Travis Kelsey. But for San Francisco, it sounds like Trent Williams could be back this week, which would be a huge boost for them. Brandon Ayuk had a big game last week in negative game script against the Falcons, likely facing, I think, a similar game script this week. Can we trust Jimmy G and the 49ers pass catchers? Those bills didn't put up a huge score uh, as far as uh, total points for the team, but all the big name guys really had a solid afternoon for Buffalo against Kansas City.
1: Yeah, I think you can definitely plug Brandon Ayuk in, particularly with the bye weeks, and we're keep saying that. But like, yeah, he saw season highs in targets, receptions, yardage, and obviously had two touchdowns. And this was the Brandon Ayuk that I definitely was hoping for when I was drafting an awful lot of him in Best Ball this summer. So I'd be fine playing Brandon Ayuk because the Chiefs do give up a lot of fantasy points to wide receivers. George Kittle probably had his first good fantasy performance of the season, going eight for eighty-three, and. It's defense On San Francisco it feels like They probably are going to keep giving up points They are getting some players back So I'm fine starting him I'm a little concerned about Debo Samuel Because he's had his third straight game Where he's only had two rushing attempts And is now at four straight games With less than 12 rushing yards you know, last year he was averaging 42.8 rushing yards over his last 8 games so to see him getting 12 a game it doesn't really add any value to him and if Brandon Ayuk is getting the volume through the air then it becomes a little difficult to decide you know who's the wide receiver who's going to get it this week because it feels like they've kind of fallen into a wide receiver 1A and 1B uh, in terms of on DraftKings I think Debo's probably going to be the more popular pick even though he's Seventy six hundred and Iuk is six thousand. So because of that, I'd probably be more happy to play Brandon Ayuk.
0: And maybe they're just saving up Debo for for later in the season to, to <laughs> give him those rushes, just like last year. But this is the first meeting between these two teams since Super Bowl fifty four back in twenty twenty. Our projections like Kansas City, but it is the lowest confidence spread pick of the week. I do. I said I was surprised at the uh, that it's two and a half points at this, but I thought about. it. I do think this one ends up being close. Uh, I think that San Francisco defense is still is still good. Uh, the Chiefs will do. Th- I do think do enough to cover eighty three percent of the bets. Seventy eight percent of the money is also on the Kansas City spread. So people are really hammering Kansas City. Uh, and I mentioned even with the injuries, San Francisco still does have a good defense. I expect the total to fall just a little bit short of forty eight and a half. Uh, kind of like we thought the the Bills and Chiefs would, would be a pretty high scoring game. I think this one falls just short of expectations as well.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with the under as well, but I do think that Kansas City you're going to cover. I think it it be it's kind of difficult for me to see Jimmy Garoppolo keeping up with Patrick Mahomes and that's kind of always the thing you can put on him like San Francisco can stomp on poor teams but can they really hang around in a shootout and uh, I'd just lean towards Kansas City being maybe a touchdown clearer on this.
0: Yep, all in agreement on that one. And going to another game, this is the highest total of the week. Seattle plus six at Los Angeles Chargers, 51-point total. We all expected a really high-scoring game. Uh, You talked about kind of targeting the game uh, for daily last year between Seattle or last week between Seattle and Arizona. did not happen, a 19-12 game, really a, a down game for a lot of those guys. I'm expecting a huge game from Justin Herbert, especially with Keenan Allen on pace to return. Seattle was 30th against the pass until last week against Arizona. Are you with me and wanting to target all the chargers this week?
1: I think so. Definitely. I think, you know, Austin Eckler, like you were saying before, he had 16 catches last 16 ties last week. He leads team now with 41 catches. He's not had any carries inside the five yard line, but he still continues to score touchdowns with six in his last three games. Joshua Kelly's gonna miss some time, who's been spelling him at times. He's got a knee sprain. So it feels like Austin Eckler could see even more touches because there's only Isaiah Spiller and Sony Michelle behind him. I think, you know, as you outlined, like the Seahawks defense, they're not anything particularly great. So I'm fine with that. I did find some interesting stats for Mike Williams this week, Vole. Like, um looking at his home road splits, he's averaged 25.5 DraftKings points on the road. And when he's been at home, he's averaged 5.1. I feel like it's probably more flukey than anything, and it's just a case of a schedule. But just something worth noting. But yeah, I'll be completely fine taking stacks, playing Austin Eckler, playing Mike Williams. And it sounds like Josh Palmer's going to miss out with a concussion, though. Yeah, and I found some stats as well
0: for Gerald Everett, tight end. He saw his route participation and snap percentage drop last week, but fellow tight end Donald Parham is in concussion protocol as well. Now, <laughs> Gerald Everett has three top eight tight end finishes so far this year. He gets the Seahawks team giving up the most fantasy points to tight ends. They gave up seven for 70 to Ertz last mm-hmm. week, eight 179 and two touchdowns to TJ Hawkinson. And speaking of Kyle Pitts earlier, five for 87 his only game with more than 25 receiving yards so tight ends do very well against him I couldn't find there were a lot of props not out yet I looked I kind of scoured the internet a little bit this morning can't find his receiving yards they've been fairly low throughout the year so I'll probably take the over on Gerald Everett um, this week in in his receiving yards now on the other side that Chargers defense has been tough against the pass they're 11th in DVOA so how are you viewing Geno DK and uh, Tyler Lockett is this a bounce
1: back week for them I hope so because it's been fun the whole Gino coaster so far. But like last week was his second lowest fantasy performance of the season. He only had twelve point seven fantasy points, zero big time throws, which is kind of like you know downfield passes or into tight windows, and he'd been making those every week up until then. So I definitely have some interest in that, but it doesn't feel like an easy matchup at all. I think it's probably easier to lean towards Kenneth Walker who had a really impressive game, I think, through just playing a couple of games so far. He has the 10th most missed tackles of amongst running backs, and he's averaging one every 1.91 attempts, which is way better than any other running back in the league. The Chargers definitely don't do as well against a run as they do against a the pass. They've given up the 6 most fantasy points to position. And they've allowed an average of 155 rushing yards and one touchdown in the last three games. So Kenneth Walker feels like the more obvious play. I'm always happy to play DK and Tyler Lockett because they can just, they seem to be able to get there in so many different ways. All of them are priced at an attractive level this week. DK Metcalf, 6,600. Kenneth Walker's 5,800. And Tyler Lockett's 5,800. Even Geno Smith at 5,600. I'd play him all day over the likes of Taylor Heineke.
0: I I, I agree with you there because we've seen, again, Geno be very good this year and that offense be very good. Uh, Again, though, that Chargers defense still looked good last week, even though Denver got predictable. Vince Verha on our coach ranking show was saying that the second half or like the last six drives, whatever it was, went just went run, run, incomplete pass or sack. So it was rough. Now, Seattle's proven they can score. I'm not putting too much into that one game last week against Arizona. Arizona also limited that Philadelphia offense the week prior. Uh, to levels below what they were playing at. But I'll take the over at 51 points, even with scoring being down this year. This is one, again, I like the over. I think the Chargers win. I've gone back and forth on the spread. This was my my spread pick of the week in our staff picks. Uh, So I went back and forth on that a little bit. My gut said the Chargers cover. Again, I just think Herbert has a big day and really just scores a ton of points. Our projections also slightly agree. So that's what I went with. However, 95% of the money so far that I saw this morning was on the seattle spread maybe not a lot of high dollar bets have come in uh but the couple that did were on seattle
1: yeah i'm on seattle to cover i feel like you know, there's enough between kenneth walker's ground game and even though the Chargers past defense is tough i feel like we've got enough to stay within six uh and yeah i like the over as well but the charges to win the game awesome man
0: Moving on, just a couple games left here. Pittsburgh plus seven at Miami, 45-point total we talked about when we were talking about Tampa Bay. Uh, Pittsburgh got that huge upset last week over the Bucs. Kenny Pickett is expected to start. Do you like the Steelers' skill players to have a big day against really a struggling Miami defense that's only 28th in defensive DVOA the last three weeks and giving up 30 points per game?
1: I think – if Kenny Pickett's back in there, it's a little easier to get back on with George Pickens, whose production tailed off again when Mitch Trubisky came in. Like we've seen in the games where Pickett had been in, Pickens had been targeted 17 times in eight quarters of football. And then after he left and it was Mitch Trubisky, everything seemed to be going through Chase Claypool. So Pickens, I'd definitely have more faith if Pickett is back in the lineup. Uh, Deontay Can't Johnson's. Deontay Johnson's someone I really like as a player, so maybe it's fair, but it just feels like you know, these kind of games have been a product of players like Xavier and Howard missing out, and I'm just not sure if that's going to carry on. Aji Harris is somebody that I struggle with. He's not somebody I have anywhere, but I wouldn't be playing him in daily fantasy either because he had 13 carries for 42 yards last week, and... The Dolphins rank seventh in rush defense, DVOA. So, if I've got a better option than Najee Harris, I'd probably start them over him.
0: And just speaking of Pickett and Trubisky, just uh, no—it's always interesting to me how uh, same offense, that, you know, you, but you get uh, two quarterbacks come in and have completely different, like, favorite targets, if you will. Just always kind of interesting and things to pay attention to, uh, as you noted. Now, on the Dolphins' side of the ball, get two back. Do you think this offense just picks up where it left off? Or do you have reservations in his first action since that scary head injury
1: i think if he's been cleared and he's got a full week practice under him then we kind of have to trust the process and assume that everything's going to be fine he's going to play without limitations we've seen tyree kill seems to be quarterback proof it doesn't seem to matter where it's been to a teddy Bridgewater or even skylar thompson he's been the focal point of our offense and he's had 12 or more targets in i think the last four games Pittsburgh will have the second most wide receiver fantasy points, so you can definitely feel confident starting him. It's been a little rockier for Jalen Waddle, but I think, you know, you've got to start your studs, and Jalen Waddle is a stud. I'd have far more confidence in him than I would Mike Gasicki, who we saw that he's kind of slipped back into playing in the slot slightly more, which is where he had so much success last year. But they also had a couple of tight ends who weren't active for the last week, which means... Was his, was he on the field more than they would have ideally wanted him, or are they going to continue with that? These two are really going to target Mike Gasicki as much when he's got Tyreek and Waddle there. I'm not too sure. So I'd probably, I'm fine with Tyreek, fine with Waddle, but that's about as far as it goes on Miami.
0: Something to keep an eye on there, as you mentioned with Kasicki, seeing how how they utilize him when they get some of those tight ends back. Uh, one of the props I liked in this one, speaking, of Tyree Kill being quarterback proof over eighty-one and a half receiving yards. I think it's going to be a big day for him, especially against that Pittsburgh defense. One side note too, speaking uh, or on the lines of Tua. If he was dropped in your league out there, you're watching, and you have Herbert like I do, or Patrick Mahomes, they're both on bye next week. And Tua faces Detroit, so I picked him up this week to plan for next week. Could be an absolute smash spot next week there for Tua. So uh, the Chargers and Chiefs are the only two teams on bye. So if you have either of those guys in season long, I would definitely be looking for Tua if he was dropped there. As for the betting angle of this, Miami's a seven-point favorite. The market? Doesn't really trust the Steelers' offense, it seems, and 75% of the money's on Miami to cover, so the public's there with it. I'm going to go with the money. I think Tua uh, really steps back in and just rejuvenates this offense. Could be a similar output to what Josh Allen did against the Steelers' team. I'll go over 45, though. I know that Bills' game went under uh, with Buffalo winning 38 3. The Dolphins' defense, as I mentioned, is struggling a little bit the last three games. You mentioned they've had some guys out. Um, but I do think the Steelers are able to get some points on the board like 34 17, 31-20, something like that where the over hits, but Miami
1: covers fairly
0: easily. What do you think on this one?
1: I'm I'm with you on that one. I think it'd be different if this was in Pittsburgh, but I'm fine with Miami covering, Miami winning the game, and the over going over forty five, because even though Pittsburgh have got problems, I feel like, you know, they can put up eighteen, they can put up twenty oh. points.
0: And it's cold up there in Pittsburgh now. We know the Miami, down in Miami, their sideline's going to be about 150 degrees. So that makes going to struggle a little bit.
1: Sunday night, though, so it should cool down a little bit by then, yeah. hopefully.
0: <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll do something. i saw those things from Minnesota sideline, you know, in the sun, about 20 degrees hotter, so... We'll, we'll see. As you mentioned, Sunday night, though. But on to the Monday night, our last game of the week. Chicago plus eight at New England, 40-point total, low total here. How we got stuck with Chicago in prime time in back-to-back weeks, I will never know. But it does sound like there's some good news for New England. Mac Jones is expected to be ready to play by Monday. Uh, how much does this change things for you and your perspective against uh, what's in, pretty much just an average Bears defense?
1: I think it's really interesting. Like, I hadn't paid too much attention to the kind of talk about this you know, semi-quarterback controversy that was bubbling. But like I was listening to the athletic podcast today with Mike Sando and they were talking seriously about how much better Bailey Zappi's been. So I kind of did take a look under the hood at some of the numbers and Zappi's better in completion rate. He's better on deep balls. He's only had one interception in three games versus Mac, who had five in three games. So I can see why some people are starting to feel that Bailey Zappi, you know, there's no sense in rushing Mac Jones back if Bailey Zappi's in good form. Especially against um, the Bears. Exactly. I mean, the Bears are just such a hard watch, It would probably be the polite way to put it at the minute. And I feel like this game just sets up to be the Patriots can run all over them, uh, you know. Bears ranked 27th in rush defense, and Ramondre Stevenson looked great last week, ran for 76 yards and two touchdowns. I think you know, it's possible we might see Damian Harris, but even if not, then fine. Definitely starting Ramondre Stevenson. On top of that, the Bears will have a seventh most fantasy points to running backs. But aside from that, like you look at the Chicago side of things, and I'm just really struggling with Justin Fields at the minute. I really wanted Justin Fields to be good for fantasy he has rushed for at least 47 yards in each of the last four games that's about all you can cling to like last week after I'd got up and obviously with the time difference I watched Thursday night football the next morning and I was just really pissed off to be honest that I'd wasted <laughs> so much of my time I watched, and I started going through stats and since the start of the 2021 season there's been 142 times that a quarterback's passed for 300 more yards Fields has never managed it despite the Bears frequently chailing at me and being putting <laughs> negative game scripts there's been 315 instances of quarterback for over two or more touchdowns and Fields has just done it twice and it's like where where are the silver linings, where's the hope to hang your hat on and we've seen a couple of these nice plays to Darnell Mooney but just I struggle with the Bears apart from hoping that Khalil Herbert can perhaps be the the guy who takes control of that running back room and it seems like Matt um, that they're talking about riding the hot hand now and Herbert is just a really exciting running back. So when I get up on Tuesday morning my time and uh, watch this game, I'm just really hoping that, one, the Bears are a more interesting prospect than they have been in the last few weeks, and two, Khalil Herbert looks good. Yeah, Cole Komet has
0: been a real disappointment. He was a guy, had a lot of hype in the offseason, or preseason. Uh, I targeted him in my drafts and best ball as well and just has been an absolute bust. And coming into this one, that New England defense has been great the last three weeks. You mentioned Bailey Zappi, but defense, they are second overall, second against the pass, 10th against the rush. I think this is going to be, a really tough game for Chicago. Eight points did make it a little tough, uh, especially with a Patriots offense. It isn't great. Zappy has been pretty good. Mac Jones, you know, uh, has been out for a while. Chicago, though, has lost their last three games by eight or less. But I, I like this Patriots with Mac Jones back. Taekwon Thornton had a big game last week. Devontae Parker has been pretty good. Ramondre Stevenson, you mentioned, has been great. I see the Bears just struggling to move the ball. Patriots cover this, but the defense keeps it under 40 points for me.
1: I'm with you on the Patriots side of things, but I think the over could hit here. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see the New England defense put up a couple of touchdowns.
0: I would not be surprised either and would welcome it as a, the Packers fan to see the Bears just absolutely implode. They haven't already uh, after that ugly game last Thursday. So that will do it for the week seven preview. Before we go, again, don't forget you can get that $300 from Underdog Fantasy using promo code OUTSIDERS. They'll match your deposit up to $100. And again, if you play in their Battle Royale this weekend, you will get access to a 100 times boost for their Pick'Em next week. So this is a great weekend to utilize that deposit match with promo code OUTSIDERS and get a little something next week as well. Also, don't forget to sign up for FO Plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe for NFL betting picks fantasy advice, premium stats, and articles, and ad-free experience, and you get access to all of that data on Monday instead of having to wait till Tuesday, even for those free stats. And then last but certainly not least, join us on the Football Outsiders Discord for in-game conversation for every game, all day Sunday and then Monday night as well. Tom, thanks for joining me. As always, everyone out there listening, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the action. May your fantasy teams win, and may all your bets hit.